and welcome to our Fourth Universalist service video. My name is Ember Kelly, and I'm the Director of Religious Education here at the Fourth Universalist Society. I use she and her pronouns, and I'm really thankful for you joining us today. What follows are selections from our service on August 22nd, 2021, Change, Acceptance, and Loss, with Reverend Beth Putnam. In this video, you'll hear the reading and the reflection. Following that, we hope you'll join us for a lively discussion where we go deeper into the service themes together. You're invited to check out our video and our audio podcast each week. It's posted on our website, on our Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, as well as your favorite podcast streaming sites. If you like what you see, we hope you'll give us a positive review. The likes, the comments, the subscribes, the shares, these all help to spread Fourth Universalist media further. Finally, we acknowledge that our community is located on the land of the New Zealandate peoples. We acknowledge their community, past, present, and future. Fourth Universalist Society acknowledges that it was founded upon exclusions and erasures of many BIPOC peoples, including those on whose land this institution is located. With this acknowledgement, we seek to continue the process of working to dismantle the ongoing legacy of settler colonialism, white supremacy, as well as other forms of oppression. We invite you to join us in this work, as well as, as we all work to embrace the eighth UU principle. Thank you again for watching. We begin with our reading. from an essay published in 2012 by the contemporary American Buddhist nun Pema Chodron titled The Fundamental Ambiguity of Being Human, How to Live Beautifully with Uncertainty and Change. As human beings, we share a tendency to scramble for certainty whenever we realize that everything around us is in flux. In difficult times, the stress of trying to find solid ground, something predictable to stand on, seems to intensify. But in truth, the very nature of our existence is forever in flux. Everything keeps changing, whether we're aware of it or not. What a predicament. We seem doomed to suffer simply because we have a deep-seated fear of how things really are. Our attempts to find lasting pleasure, lasting security, are at odds with the fact that we're part of a dynamic system in which everything and everyone is in process. So this is where we find ourselves, right in the middle of a dilemma. And it leaves us with some provocative questions. How can we live wholeheartedly in the face of impermanence, knowing that one day we're going to die? What is it like to realize we can never completely and finally get it all together? Is it possible to increase our tolerance for instability and change? How can we make friends with unpredictability and uncertainty, 
and embrace them as vehicles to transform our lives. Here ends the reading. Thank you so much, Mark. And so good to see so many faces. Um, and as we've said, we've had so many changes happening. And so this, this theme just reverberated so much. Um, I first chose it when today was supposed to be the soft opening. We're going to be changing to being partially back together, partially online, but it all changed. And some of it has been that there's been huge changes that seem to have happened suddenly, such as our suddenly leaving Afghanistan after 20 years. For some of you, that's been your whole life. You can't remember a time. Some of us, we remember when it started. And then small changes that just seem to happen so slowly. Like, when can we be together? How is it safe to see one another? And we have so many mixed emotions about each change. And once you get change on top of change, those emotions can just be so overwhelming. You heard those words from Peba Chodra, and I, I do love her, that we keep reaching for stability and avoid acknowledging the nature of this world, but everything is always changing. I had planned to talk to this morning about how difficult it is to navigate all the feelings we have about change, the grief, the anxiety, the anger, the just straight out fear that we'll lose all that's important to us. Often we try to hang on to hope, to find laughter, to find what we love. And under so much of our fear is that we will lose that which we do love and that which brings us laughter and that which brings us joy. But as I reflected on Pema Children's words again this morning, I was reminded of an important truth in her words that even I forget too often. When she writes about the world being in flux, she is talking about the fact that every single thing in our world is always itself changing, including us and all of those that we love. That's part of what's hard. Sometimes they change in ways we don't like. I used to tell my little sister she wasn't allowed to grow when I wasn't there. It didn't work. She wound up almost 5'10". That was one of those changes that just kept happening. And the more I thought about the way that everything is changing, and I mean everything, even things we don't think change are changing. It reminded me of one of the theologies that we Unitarian Universalists have often explored and which has become an important spiritual lens. Um, and that's process theology. And that is the realization that everything in the universe is engaged in the processes of life. And I had one of those moments that I was struck once again with the wonder of that. The wonder that life goes on for everything, even things we don't think are alive, and they are also changing. 
uh, process theology was for, for those who like the facts of things, uh, process theology was first started by a mathematician, Alfred North Whitehead. And it's been slow to enter most people's awareness, even us Unitarian Universalists, partially because he wrote theology and metaphysics like a mathematician. So it's taken a couple generations um, for other writers to write about his idea. But his idea is just staggering. Everything is always growing and changing. And that is the central feature of the universe and reality itself and just of our lives. And that's not just good. And that it's not that it's always good, change for the good, but just amazing when you think about yourself as part of something that is always changing. And I mean, everything is always changing. I was reading an article recently about plate tectonics because what else are you gonna do? Because you never know some days these days. And it was talking about how it impacted the Himalayas. I've never been there, but they're so huge looking. When you picture mountains, epic mountains, the Himalayas are the sort of mountains we have in mind. They're so steep and so tall. And they're so unimaginably majestic. And I suddenly realized the reason they are so tall and overwhelming is because they are young mountains and they are even now still growing. They haven't finished growing yet. The plates that meet where the Himalayas are formed are still moving toward each other, albeit very, very slowly. And as they do, those mountains keep growing. A different but similar article noted that the Appalachians, those fairly general, gentle mountains here in America, are one of the oldest mountain chains in the world and have been a subject of multiple major tectonic shifts. So there are mountains that are technically part of the original mountain chain that we call the Appalachians in Scandinavia and the United Kingdom because they were all connected once upon a time. And I don't know if this idea will have the same impact on you that it has on me, but I find this so comforting and grounding. I and you and all of us are part of a world that is eons older than we can ever imagine. Our brains just cannot make up things that big. Our world is part of a universe that is wider than all of our imaginations. And each and every single one of us contains stardust and cells that are so small. Each of us is their universe. And when I sit in that place of being this tiny infinitesimal speck in this giant universe, at the same time being a whole universe, to some infinitesimal cell that lives in my body. It really makes me wonder in the truest sense of that word. It is a truly wonderful, wonderful world.
And some days when the change is feeling especially hard, I take a moment to reflect on that wonderful world, the world all around me and of which I'm a part. I'm a part of it. I'm not somehow separate. I'm just part of that world and that we're all together engaged in this process of change. I connect to nature, to the changes of the seasons, but also to the slower changes of the rocks and the rivers. I invite you when the changing world seems too much to embrace the world itself and its ever-present changing. I hope you can find grounding and comfort as I often need to remind myself to seek it there too. The comfort that comes of knowing that we are part of that. And not that our lives are small, but that our lives matter as part of all of that wonderfulness, that we too are part of the wonder. And it helps ground me and center me. And I hope you may find the image of that works for you of the processes of this wonderful world that can give you a grounding and centering place when it does feel too much. Because we can't control the changes. We all do so much to try and control them. And guess what? We just can't. We can plan and we can have plan B, which is always good. But we need to each of us find the connections that can give us a whole heart and support as we embrace this world that's just changing all around us. And some places come back to this community. It's another place of centering. May we each find our centers in this wonderful, ever-changing world so that we may not be afraid of the change. I am so excited to get to sit down with Reverend Beth Putnam today to talk about a service that seems thoroughly topical. Uh, Reverend Beth, before we start, would you like to just introduce yourself for any listeners who may be listening for the first time? Hi, I'm Reverend Beth Putnam. I'm an affiliated community minister at Fourth Universalist Society, and I'm a chaplain at the VA hospital here in Manhattan. Good to have you on once again. I loved the theme for this message when, when I first heard it earlier in the week, when I was like, this is great. Like, we got a big change going on for, for our return to in-person. <laughs> um, and then yesterday, suddenly we were making new decisions about whether to come back with the hurricane. Uh, and so we had a really instant change. So this ended up being an incredibly topical um, pick in terms of message. Um, what, you know, what, what inspired the, that direction? Was it, was it because well, of the soft open? Yes, um, uh, Skylar and I had touched base 
way back. And as soon as I found out it was the soft open, it's like, well, I guess so you need to talk about change <laughs> and the feelings that go with changes. And I had intended to be talking about the feelings part and the processing grief and, uh, and making space for the sadness and as well as the happy. And then, especially as I was listening to the, the Pema Chodra reading, again, I sort of read aloud to myself a few times. So I'm like, most of us have heard that message. It's the, what do we hang on to in the midst of all the changes that can help us support mm. us while we're doing the processing of those feelings? And you know what can give us a, a floor and that's when I was reminded of of my process theology stuff that I love and so my sermon theme changed too from my original intent as as I explored change myself it just kept coming the changes they just they just kept coming what I mean this has been you know such a Gosh, it's over a year. Um, it's been a, a lot of change in the last in the last while as we, you know, first adjusted to the reality of the pandemic and then have adjusted to the reality. But then even as we, even this week, as we were planning for the soft open, there was new UUA guidance coming out. Like we're, we're it feels like we're often on our toes a lot recently for, for the changes going on. Has that been, you know, the same for you recently? Oh, yes. And I've... Um... You know, since I work in a, a hospital, the hard part for me is, you know, I, I saw what like the New York pandemic really looked like from the hospital side. And, you know, I struggle a lot now with, you know, as many of us are, a lot of what's happening now was avoidable if people had vaccinated and masked and done what we did here in New York. Um we wouldn't be where we are. Um, but it's also the, the virus is gonna keep changing. So it's like, we can plan two months ahead, but if spread changes, again, outside our control, we just have to go with it again. Um, like we heard the UUA guidance about, you know, singing being more spreading than speaking. So. What would it mean if we come back to church and we can't all sing together? And, you know, those are things we, it's all gonna keep shifting and we're not gonna know ahead of time. Um, and that's hard, so. Right, if anything, it did uh, make me slightly, I don't know if I wanna say proud about there being a hurricane, um, but it, it made me feel good that we, were able to pivot because it shows to me that that we're prepared for like these challenges that might come as the pandemic continues to to change on us. Yeah, and and I I really have the way um, the congregation and the leadership from the very beginning. I mean that that first week of Zoom online church, the fact that they had everything up and running and a well thought out format that really met needs in the way in which things like, I know people at other congregations that did not have things that met their people's needs right. at well, all I'm, the way the leadership and everybody came together right? at, like at we, we've had so, to create so few this changes. whole new thing. 
like it was like suddenly you blinked and like there's all this new stuff and like how did everybody do that and it's because they thought deeply about what is it that our people need and how do we do that and just made it and right I, so many, was, with, with with so many seminary friends like a lot of them you know their churches tried like one new thing like each and every week but like we went to zoom and we've stuck with it and we have like our format and we know how to you know i i'm and, i I'm happy with like the, the such a solid system. Yeah, and especially having that coffee hour time and stuff from the beginning, because like I know congregations that they did stuff that they just they videotaped a message from the minister and stuck it on Facebook, and there's no interaction of the people. There's no ability to give input or response. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. Um. So. Speaking of seminary, uh, <laughs> one of the um, things that I know was talked about a little bit in seminary, which I can't claim to be too much of an expert on, was this process theology uh, that you talked a little bit about in the message. And um, as, as we were preparing for this, you know, I said, to me, it seemed like kind of what I think I already was thinking. I just didn't realize it had a name for it. Um, do you think that a lot of people maybe like they don't, they don't, they've never heard that name, but it's kind of something that they maybe kind of understand anyways? Yeah, I mean, I think especially folks who are in the sort of the humanist science bent within the UUA, I think it's baked in there. Um, so process theology, as I said in my sermon, it's a joke, but it's also part of the reason why more people don't read it and don't know about it. Is that the Alfred North Whitehead who started the, came up with the idea, was of the mathematician who's writing metaphysics. And his main disciple was Hartshorn, who was also a scientist. And I have read some of the actual, it used to be on the MFC book list back when I was prepping for the MFC in my seminary days. And it was like impenetrable. It's taken a few generations. Um, Catherine Keller is my favorite of the, the current generation of scholars and she's got some very readable stuff. Um, she's sort of in the sort of progression of Christian camp. Um, uh, she, she writes, she has a great one about creation starting from the opening words of this, the text of Genesis where it says, and, and God's breath moved across the waters. Mm. And drawing this idea of, of creation and everything comes out of a primordial chaos. It's not a, it didn't come out of nothing. Right. It's, a, it's taking substance and giving form. And what does that do to our thinking? Hmm. Yeah, you know, and we may, you know, us UUs may not talk about the God idea part of that and may not be using the scripture that way, but it's that thinking about the world as a ongoing changing thing that's never been not here um, is the part that I've always loved about the, the process stuff. Um, I, there was, uh, you know, I took... Um, as an undergraduate, I took postmodern theology. So I think that's where I had my introduction to it. Um, 
It's sort of, uh, I think the tactical formulation for how you would talk about the, the concept of divinity in process theology, as they call it, um, panentheanism, which is that essentially whatever you would call God, divine, whatever, is present within everything. So it's not pantheism where everything is God, but there is you know, whatever it is that we call that divine creativity. Everything is present inside everything all the time. And it's all part of this changing universe we're part of. And that means us too. Mm -hmm. I, it makes me think of uh, I, one of my first time through grad school courses. I, I did a a philosophy course and uh, we, the, the professor was a notoriously hard grader and I, I did a paper on, we had to pick a philosopher and it was up to us. And I picked Hegel and everybody's like, what in the world are you doing? Uh, but I, I, I got an A from this notoriously hard professor. And you know, so I like to take that as just that, that I apparently understand Hegel. Um, <laughs> but it, it is that same idea of like the constant change that's, that's going on in this world um and like realizing that change is everywhere you know like whether it's uh um you know i uh, one of the examples that um I, there's like this little abcs of change thing that i've read before and the first one is the is about avalanches because you know it's the little snows little little movements at first and then it all eventually piles up to this big movement um and you talked a little bit about uh, like these these big massive changes like uh, uh, in the time for all ages I talked about you know the scale of one to five these are like the, the one million level changes the things that are just so big that we can't even grasp you know like you're talking about creation and about how this world exists and keeps changing and growing and when we uh, think about like the dinosaurs were a hundred million years ago that's just so like beyond our, our comprehension I, yeah, or or like even the idea that that the Himalayas are still baby mountains that are getting bigger. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, as the example I use is like take you know, the mountain it, and bounce it on your lap. <laughs> yeah, in, in the scale of time, they're <laughs> yeah, they're they're the young ones. And <laughs> uh, I've always found that to be a really spiritually like profound idea to like realize how big and grand the the universe is. Yeah, and really I, I was just reminded of I think I think I you know I was I was raised in a family we'd go camping and stuff but also because I grew up up in upstate New York part of like studying earth science and everything would be taking us to like the glacial formations so like you know you'd read about them in the textbooks but then they'd take you down to Letchworth State Park and look at the gorges and they're like let's go look at a pothole crater and then you'd go to this giant thing that's this giant hole in the ground it's like this is where a giant piece of ice got stuck and all the rocks formed around it over how many thousands of years and now we have this formation and just <clears throat> sorry introducing us to this idea that It was all formed. It was all uh, these these huge, huge. Uh, I remember uh, we had <coughs> a year that it was geography and astronomy in the same year in the 
professor, or not geography, geology. And the, the teacher, he downloaded this program, which seemed so cool at the time. And it was like that you could basically like explore the universe, like it was Google, Google Maps for outer space. Um, and, you know, to just be able to like sit there and keep zooming out and you're like in a whole nother like galaxy far away. And it's like, whoa, uh, some of those things when we're learning can just be so powerful. Right. And then when you bring it into that, sort of the metaphysical realm of I as a person who can often feel disconnected and isolated, especially with this Western concept of the individual self, which does connect, disconnect us from nature and everyone and turn it back into that connection of, no, I'm not, you know, I, I, I do sit and sort of do like this meditation where it's like almost picture like the world and like these infinitesimal little people just kind of like walking all over it. And that's us. And like the, as the earth spins, we're just spinning with it. And the whole planet's doing this thing around the sun. And we're just like these, not, you can't even make a speck small enough for what is us, but we're still part of that, you know, and that's, that's the part that suddenly it really sparks sort of just a, a joy and a happiness um, for me. And that's why I was hoping to find mm. the people who, who that can spark some of that for them. That's like, wow, that's so cool. Right. But, you know, I think also on a more <clears throat> local, smaller level that a lot of <laughs> spiritualities, whether uh, paganism, but also even like uh, very liturgical Christian, very liturgical Jewish calendars, like they, they have this idea of like following cycles, following seasons, so that you can acknowledge that change is just this thing that happens in your life and that that's okay. Yeah, and I, I think that's very much that, especially the older traditions, um, whether the earth-based traditions, they were tied into those cycles and those seasons and the changes in a way that we, we lost. You know, it's, I think it's very much a symptom of, you know, modernity. Mm to look for static systems instead of just understanding that, you know, planting and harvesting, it goes in cycles and you have to know when your timing is right and what to do. You know, it's, uh, you know, you know, people in different parts of the world all figured out how to do things like rotate crops and, put nitrogen fixing plants in areas and do all sorts of things to make their farming better because they just all paid attention to what happened in that cycle in the season and it showed up in their spiritual life mm. and right. yeah you know, it's one of those wisdom and so a lot of people i think who've gone back to especially the older earth-based traditions and some of the liturgical traditions it's a way to connect back to that grounding of you know the cycles and the seasons happen and mm -hmm. i'm part of that and it helps me with the flow of the world yes it's a beautiful thing to think of reverend beth thank you so much for sitting down with me again yeah and and thank you for uh, you know tolerating when my cough happened but i'm so glad to have been with you um again you know we can't control what happens we just <laughs> and maybe soon we'll get to meet in person oh yes that's true it's like we've been co-colleagues for like a whole year now and we've never met in yes. person
It's my the strangest change for me is imagining that I'm going to actually get to start seeing everybody in person sometime soon. So, and thank you, of course, to all of our listeners as well. <laughs>